This episode of Getting the Word with Truth's Table is brought to you by IVP. Is the virtue of humility irrelevant in our current moral landscape? Keep listening to learn more about Richard Foster's new book, Learning Humility, A Year of Searching for a Vanishing Virtue. And by Truth's Table. If you've been blessed by these daily audio Bible podcast readings, please consider supporting Truth's Table on Patreon at patreon.com slash truthstable. This is IVP. Getting the word with truth table. Presented by Inner Varsity Press. Your word is truth, your word is life. A daily audio Bible podcast read by Dr. Christina Edmondson and Akemini Uwan. Let's get in the Word, and may the Word get in us. Open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things in your Word. Old Testament reading, Jeremiah chapter 12 through chapter 13, verse 14. Jeremiah appeals to God. Lord, you have always been fair whenever I have complained to you. However, I would like to speak with you about the disposition of justice. Why are wicked people successful? Why do all dishonest people have such easy lives? You plant them like trees and they put down their roots. They grow prosperous and are very fruitful. They always talk about you, but they really care nothing about you. But you, Lord, know about me. You watch me and test my devotion to you. Drag these wicked men away like sheep to be slaughtered. Appoint a time when they will be killed. How long must the land be parched and the grass in every field be withered? How long must the animals and the birds die because of the wickedness of the people who live in this land? For these people boast, God will not see what happens to us. God answers Jeremiah. The Lord answered, If you have raced on foot against men and they have worn you out, how will you be able to compete with horses? And if you feel secure only in safe and open country, how will you manage in the thick undergrowth along the Jordan River? As a matter of fact, even your own brothers and the members of your own family have betrayed you as well. Even they have plotted to do away with you. So do not trust them even when they say kind things to you. I will abandon my nation. I will forsake the people I call my own. I will turn my beloved people over to the power of their enemies. The people I call my own have turned on me like a lion in the forest. They have roared defiantly at me. So I will treat them as though I hate them. The people I call my own attack me like birds of prey or like hyenas, but other birds of prey are all around them. Let all the nations gather together like wild beasts. Let them come and destroy these people I call my own. Many foreign rulers will ruin the land where I planted my people. They will trample all over my chosen land. They will turn my beautiful land into a desolate wilderness. They will lay it waste. 
it will lie parched and empty before me. The whole land will be laid waste, but no one living in it will pay any heed. A destructive army will come marching over the hilltops in the wilderness, for the Lord will use them as his destructive weapon against everyone from one end of the land to the other. No one will be safe. My people will sow wheat, but will harvest weeds. They will work until they are exhausted, but will get nothing from it. They will be disappointed in their harvest because the Lord will take them away in his fierce anger. I, the Lord, also have something to say concerning the wicked nations who surrounded my land and have attacked and plundered the land that I gave to my people as a permanent possession. I say, I will uproot the people of those nations from their land, and I will free the people of Judah who have been taken there. But after I have uprooted the people of those nations, I will relent and have pity on them. I will restore the people of each of these nations to their own lands and to their own country. But they must make sure to learn to follow the religious practices of my people. Once they taught my people to swear their oaths using the name of the god Baal. But then they must swear oaths using my name, saying, As surely as the Lord lives, I swear. If they do these things, they will be included among the people I call my own. But I will completely uproot and destroy any of those nations that will not pay heed, says the Lord. Chapter 13 An Object Lesson from Ruined Linen Shorts Then the Lord said to me, Go and buy some linen shorts and put them on. Do not put them in water. So I bought the shorts in keeping with the Lord's instruction and put them on. Then the Lord's message came to me again. Take the shorts that you bought and you are wearing and go at once to Perath. Bury the shorts there in a crack in the rocks. So I went and buried them at Perath, as the Lord had ordered me to do. Many days later, the Lord said to me, Go at once to Perath and get the shorts I ordered you to bury there. So I went to Perath and dug up the shorts from the place where I had buried them. I found that they were ruined. They were good for nothing. Then the Lord's message came to me. I, the Lord, say, this shows how I will ruin the highly exalted position in which Judah and Jerusalem take pride. These wicked people refuse to obey what I said. They follow the stubborn inclinations of their own hearts and pay allegiance to other gods by worshiping and serving them. So they will become just like linen shorts that are good for nothing. For I say, just as shorts cling tightly to a person's body, so I bound the whole nation of Israel and the whole nation of Judah tightly to me. I intended for them to be my special people and to bring me fame, honor, and praise. But they would not obey me. So tell them, the Lord, the God of Israel says, every wine jar is made to be filled with wine. And they will probably say to you, do you not think we know that every wine jar is supposed to be filled with wine? Then tell them, the Lord says, I will soon fill all the people who live in this land with stupor. I will also fill the kings from David's dynasty, the priests, the prophets, and the citizens of Jerusalem with stupor. And I will smash them like wine bottles against one another, children and parents alike. I will not show any pity, mercy, or compassion. Nothing will keep me from destroying them, says the Lord. Daniel chapter 3 Daniel's friends are tested. King Nebuchadnezzar had a golden statue made. It was 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. He erected it on the plain of Dora, in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent out a summons to assemble the satraps, prefects, governors, counselors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other authorities of the province to attend the dedication of the statue that he had erected. 
So the satraps, prefects, governors, counselors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial authorities assembled for the dedication of the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had erected. They were standing in front of the statue that Nebuchadnezzar had erected. Then the herald made a loud proclamation. To you, O peoples, nations, and language groups, the following command is given. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, trigon, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must bow down and pay homage to the golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has erected. Whoever does not bow down and pay homage will immediately be thrown into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, when they all heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, trigon, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, all the peoples, nations, and language groups began bowing down and paying homage to the golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had erected. Now at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and brought malicious accusations against the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued an edict, O king, that everyone must bow down and pay homage to the golden statue when they hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, trigon, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music. And whoever does not bow down and pay homage must be thrown into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. But there are Jewish men who are appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these men have not shown proper respect to you, O king. They don't serve your gods, and they don't pay homage to the golden statue that you have erected. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a fit of rage, demanded that they bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before him. They brought them before the king. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you don't serve my gods and that you don't pay homage to the golden statue that I erected? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, trigon, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must bow down and pay homage to the statue that I had made. If you don't pay homage to it, you will immediately be thrown into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. Now, who is that God who can rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to King Nebuchadnezzar, We do not need to give you a reply concerning this. If our God, whom we are serving, exists, he is able to rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will rescue us, O king, from your power as well. But if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we don't serve your gods, and we will not pay homage to the golden statue that you have erected. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage and his disposition changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He gave orders to heat the furnace seven times hotter than it was normally heated. He ordered strong soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So those men were tied up while still wearing their cloaks, trousers, turbans, and other clothes and were thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. But since the king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so excessively hot, the men who escorted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were killed by the leaping flames. But those three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into the furnace of blazing fire while still securely bound. God delivers his servants. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was startled and quickly got up. He said to his ministers, Wasn't it three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied to the king, For sure, O king. He answered, But I see four men untied and walking around the midst of the fire. No harm has come to them, and the appearance of the fourth is like that of a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire. He called out Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. 
Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego emerged from the fire. Once the satraps, prefects, governors, and ministers of the king had gathered around, they saw that those men were physically unharmed by the fire. The hair of their heads was not singed, nor were their trousers damaged. Not even the smell of fire was to be found on them. Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, Praised be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has set forth his angel and has rescued his servants who trusted in him, ignoring the edict of the king and giving up their bodies rather than serve or pay homage to any god other than their god. I hereby decree that any people, nation, or language group that blasphemes the god of Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego will be dismembered and his home reduced to rubble. For there exists no other god who can deliver in this way. Then Nebuchadnezzar promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. New Testament reading, Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 22. The arrest and trial of Peter and John. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priests and the commander of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, angry because they were teaching the people and announcing in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they seized them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had listened to the message believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers, elders, and experts in the law came together in Jerusalem. Anos, the high priest, was there, and Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others who were members of the high priest's family. After making Peter and John stand in their midst, they began to inquire, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, replied, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today for the good deed done to a sick man, by what means this man was healed? Let it be known to all of you, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, this man stands before you healthy. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, that has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, and there is no other name under heaven given among people by which we must be saved. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and discovered that they were uneducated and ordinary men, they were amazed and recognized these men had been with Jesus. And because they saw the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say against this. But when they had ordered them to go outside the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, What should we do with these men? For it is plain to all who live in Jerusalem that a notable miraculous sign has come about through them, and we cannot deny it. But to keep this matter from spreading any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. And they called them in and ordered them to not speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Whether it is right before God to obey you rather than God, you decide. For it is impossible for us to not speak about what we have seen and heard. After threatening them further, they released them. For they could not find how to punish them on account of the people because they were all praising God for what had happened. For the man, on whom the miraculous sign of healing had been performed, was over 40 years old. This is the word of God for the people of God. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Let us go boldly to God's throne of grace. Gracious and righteous and miracle-working God, 
We thank you for your word today. We thank you for these reminders from the Old and New Testament of your power, your power to save us, to keep us, and a power to make us courageous. Oh God, there are so many miracles that we can look at and see your hand at work, but I am most amazed in these texts of your power to grant your people courage in a world that is filled with oppression and threats and cruelty and violence. You grant to your people a courage, a courage that is filled with love, a courage that is given to us to be bold for you, to be bold in your name, O oh God. We thank you that although we may feel as though we are in a fiery furnace, O oh Lord, you have reminded us in, in the life and the work and the ministry of these three men that we, come what may, must stand on the name of God. We must stand on the name of Jesus and that you, Lord Jesus Christ, are with us in good times and in bad times. Within the fiery furnace, you walk around amongst us and you, Lord Jesus, know about the fiery furnace for yourself. You, being fully God and fully man, have chosen to empathize with your people. You don't stand far off and aloof and just say, I'm watching over there. But you get into the boat with us. You get into the fiery furnace with us. You get into the illness and the sickness and the struggles and the pain and the temptations with us. You are Emmanuel, God with us. And God, we're so grateful for this. There is no God like you. There is no God, no living God worthy of this type of praise and adoration. For you are the God that draws near to us. We thank you for your miraculous power to save us from the fiery furnace, O God, to save us from judgment, O God, to pull us to safety, to pull us to your very bosom, to make us anew and to make us more like Jesus. We thank you, O God, that you have power over the infirmities that have plagued us from our very birth. Although we were born in, in sin and iniquity, O God, you have redeemed us. You have made us new. You are the miraculous God who is not intimidated by our first disposition, by our first nature. For you are the God that is over all nature. You are the God that is over the cosmos. And so you, are, O oh Lord, are still doing miraculous things on behalf of your people for your name's sake, because you are great and greatly to be praised. So we ask now, O oh God, come what may, that you, the God who worked miracles then, and you still work the miracle of bringing those dead in sin and trespasses into new life in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are still a miracle working God. And so we ask right now that you would grant us miracles in our life where we feel overwhelmed, where we feel like we are in the fiery furnace, where we feel like we have struggled with affliction since birth, since this year, since this day, whatever it might be, oh God, would you touch us with a healing touch from on high? Would you most importantly be with us in the midst of our suffering, our struggles, and our confusion, oh God? We thank you that you are the God who draws near. And we ask, oh God, that you would bless us now with miraculous courage to claim your name to stand for you and your righteousness, come what may. Whether you choose to deliver us, to free us, to heal us on this side of glory or in the glory to come, let us always be people who speak with courage that come what may, your will be done. For you are the only living God. We praise you and we thank you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. And we honor your name today, the miracle working God. Amen and amen. 
not only is humility vanishing from contemporary culture, but we're also witnessing how destructive a lack of humility has become among our churches and ministry leaders. And yet, author Richard Foster insists that humility is central to the journey towards spiritual transformation. For this reason, he decided to spend a year studying the virtue of humility. Using the Lakota calendar as a framework, learning humility provides us with a look into the insights Foster gathered from sources ranging from Native American culture to Julian of Norwich to scripture to personal friends. Learning humility offers profound insight into what humility can look like in our current cultural climate. As a listener of this podcast, you can get 30% off plus free U.S. shipping when you use the promo code, the word. That's code T-H-E-W-O-R-D at ivypress.com. We pray this time of getting the word with Truth's Table has encouraged us all to not only be hearers of God's word, but doers. Share your reflections on these scriptures with us on Twitter and Instagram using the hashtag GetInTheWord and hashtag Truth's Table. Saints, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Go with God. Get in the Word with Truth's Table is a production of InterVarsity Press. For 75 years, IVP has created and published resources that deepen lives for Christ to engage the university, church, and the world. Visit ivpress.com for more information. Our Bible reading plan is from biblestudytogether.com, and the Bible version is the new English translation used by permission. Sound engineering is from Pottery Studios, and our executive producer is Helen Lee.